Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, welcome to Vanta. My name is Mitch. And I'm Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've been a stranger the last yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been, been lots of uh, changes in schedules. I know. Lots of moving yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah. been happening in your world, man? Uh, so I went on a pastor's retreat so good. last week. So good. It was excellent. Came back very charged up, like spiritually charged up mm. and excited to be leading a church. Love that. So even a week later, still got... The, the, the residue the residue energy <laughs> i love it so, what would be the like big takeaway if you had to put it in a phrase yeah. or a soundbite um becoming uh, a whole person mm. so one of the challenges in a session was that the pastor should be the healthiest person in the room so spiritually emotionally mm. mentally mm physically i think you've uh, definitely got us all on physical <laughs> just hands down i think yeah. you do a very good job the oh, others as well yeah. but i think the physical fitness well, is very evident <laughs> yeah and so just just really reflecting on that and recognizing oh, in relationships that's the other one too yeah. like having good relationships mm. um yeah and just recognizing the interconnectedness mm. of the human body and mm. so, so for good. me i was like I really identified if I'm not spiritually healthy, it actually impacts my physical health, which sounds yeah, weird no. because it comes a bit meaningless. I'm like, well, why am I doing this? Yeah. If my spiritual health isn't good, then my relationships are sour. And so there's not just like, oh, it's not just one part on its own. It actually is the whole body. So, mm. But the foundation of it is the spiritual health. Yeah. I find it's, if I have good spiritual health, that can help me. It's not just a, a magic shield, mm. but it's a great foundation for when there is those times when emotional health is down or when mm. relationships are poor or when mm. physical health is poor. It's like, well, I've got this bedrock mm. of Jesus. So, yeah, that was my kind of one takeaway. That's awesome, man. Can yeah. you just re- re-say them? So spiritual health? So spiritual health. Then yep. there was um, emotional health. Yeah. Um, there was relationships, mental health or intellectual. They said yeah, like, so yeah. mental health was more like, what are you sort of, the challenge was, are you staying up to midnight every night watching Netflix? What are yeah. you feeding into your mind? And yeah. physical health. So, yeah. It's got five parts. But I found mm. that as we are talking about each part, it's like, oh, I really kind of cross it over with... Yeah. Yeah. They so, all, like, cross over each other. Yeah. yeah. Which is very Hebraic. Mm. In, the, in the Old Testament, Genesis, a human is someone who's made of dirt mm. and has nephesh in them. Mm. Life breath. That's mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty cool. So good. Yeah. That's a bit of a perfect segue into what we're chatting <laughs> yeah, about today, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. great. <laughs> Mara, you led us through Jeremiah's 18 and 19. Mm. Did a great job oh, on thanks, some mate. very, very difficult texts to Thank you. apply practically mm. and really drew out, I felt, some great insights oh, into that. Appreciate so, it, man. Man, I want to, like, just start off the bat sacrificing mm. to Baal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. Trust the elephant Jump straight in the room. In. Yeah. Yes. I like the question you asked. Like, not many of us probably, you know, committed child sacrifice hopefully <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah the equivalence for today mm. right, yeah. yeah what are we yeah. sacrificing um yeah and look i think that um you know that that idea of prosperity um can stretch out in many directions obviously there's the wealth element mm. um or you know the material possession but i think you know prestige 
you know, is a big one. Um, even, you know, I suppose that goes hand in hand with power. Mm. Um, and I think even just for our own sort of, you know, almost brand, you know, like are we sacrificing things so that we can, you know, look better on social media or, mm. you know, have more um, people think that we're really impressive because we're, I don't know, going out to lots of concerts. It could be like all of these mm. things that we're sacrificing um, for, yeah, like things that are actually important. Mm. Um, I think that one one thing that was really interesting, and I, I love this, um, our church is actually so encouraging. And I, I very rarely get notes after sermons, but oh, someone gave yeah. me a really, a really good thought after the sermon. Um, and I think it was a really helpful way to view this through a different lens, mm. which is obviously there are people who are, you know, making sacrifices, whether again, like those five, mm. right? They're spiritual, physical, emotional, yeah. mental, <clears throat> relational health, yep. right? That kind of covers it, mm. right? They're the things that you're probably sacrificing um, in a negative way. They can probably fall under those five banners to, yeah, accumulate wealth, to be, you know, better positioned in your organization mm. through promotion or whatever. Um, but there is other pe- there are other people who aren't motivated by the material wealth itself or the sort of you know the gold trappings mm. of a career success but rather are more motivated by fear which mm. i thought found a really interesting idea so let me unpack that um yeah the person who was speaking to me about it was talking about how let's take it back first which is always a good principle mm. to the bible yeah. and to the passage um and if we're looking at an agrarian culture their um, livelihoods and security (laughs) were a lot more fragile than our own. So Mm -hmm. if there was a drought year, if there was a swarm of locusts that came through, if there was, you know, a flood, you know, all of these different elements, um, suddenly they had no food, they had no income, they were really, you know, living hand to mouth a a lot of the time through an agrarian lifestyle of farming. Um, likewise, even though for most of us, and I'd say probably almost everyone in our church, we're really separated from that world. Although I don't know, there are some people who grow plants and stuff as crew. Mm, anyway, yeah. um, the reality is that it's not the same, but there are people who have this inbuilt fear that ultimately, if you know the floor falls out from underneath them in some capacity, mm. and suddenly they're not able to work, not able to earn. Um, that they are going to be really vulnerable. Um, Maybe, I suppose, the implication of that, God isn't going to support them and Mm. protect them and provide for them in that um, situation, in that hypothetical situation. Um, So I need to just keep on earning. I need to keep on striving. I need to keep on making sure that I create as secure of a nest egg for myself so that um, if things go south, I know that through my own work and my own efforts, I have secured myself rather than trusting in God's Mm. provision and protection. I thought that was quite profound. Yeah, that's very, very profound. Mm. There's, I think at the core of a lot of our, like, issues is this fear or anxiety Mm. and a whole bunch of different things Mm. there. That fear of the status, like you said, fear of being able to provide... um, it's not in Jeremiah, but Ezekiel, which mm. is about the same time when he was prophesying. He sees a vision of Jerusalem. Mm. And at one point, he like, goes behind the scenes and sees them worshipping all these different gods. Yeah. So there's like a, a statue to Asherah. They're worshipping like Egyptian gods. Yeah. 
Kotsalem were their safety blanket mm. as a way to ensure, like you said, that prosperity was. Yeah. Yeah, and I really like how you said on Sunday that they still love their kids like we do. Mm. And, but so it was seen as like this massive, massive sacrifice to ensure yeah. prosperity, which to us just seems so extreme. But yeah. I think the same underlying fears mm. can drive us not to trust God. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's interesting. The Bible talks a lot about not fearing. Mm. Do not be afraid. Don't mm-hmm. fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lord will provide. And that's why I see a lot of Jeremiah here driven to. There's this fear of Babylon. Yeah. And like actually trusting God. Yeah. So particularly in this week's passage I'll be speaking on. It's like actually you're going to have to do something pretty crazy. Sure. Trust me, Babylon's actually the good guys here mm. and they can't see that. Yeah. And so that's that's what's the difference between faith and sight is in many ways is stepping out and going, well, I'm going to trust God in this yeah, even when I don't see it. Because as Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 18, he is the potter. Yeah. Or he has the clay. Yeah, we are in his hands. Mm. No, that's but, it. That's it. That's cool. But yeah, I guess, um, guess for us today, like just thinking about those different sacrifices we made, mm. um, I don't know what's like that. Like, it's a personal question. What's something mm. like, like you struggle with? Like you see yeah. in your own life. For that's that? good. Hmm. I think. Um, I think one thing, um, and I've. I think I may have shared about this before, mm. but um, when I was a kid, I think I had the word lazy spoken over me a lot. Mm. Um, so in that, I feel like there's a need to constantly prove that I'm not lazy. Um, and yeah, that, that often leads to like really overworking. Um, and that, um, really, I mean, I I think the obvious one is, yeah, it can end up sacrificing a bit of quality time, Mm. but I think what it really comes down to, I think I almost take on this pressure that I need to do really well and prove to someone like Mm. probably what Keith Jobbins was talking about a few weeks ago, like the inner critic in my head, the voice of this person, Mm. you know, who probably also doesn't realize how (laughs) sort of damaging those words were. Um, I have to prove to them that I'm not lazy. So I, again, and fearful of being lazy. Mm. So I put this pressure on myself to work really hard and, and to do things really well to really high standard. So then I put pressure on myself and anxiety, which then comes out ultimately as frustration at the people who I love and love me most. Mm. Um, so yeah, for me, I mean, even a, a good example of that is on a week that like I'm preaching, mm. I just recognize that I'm a little bit more on edge mm. just because I, stupidly (laughs) and putting this personal like i'm totally putting it on myself uh extra weight on my shoulders Mm. um so then i don't have as much bandwidth for you know when george or m just need a bit of support Mm. or even just when you know they need i guess support even in in emotional support Mm. like in or, or you know sort of mental support but also just in moments of hey like can you just do this right now and me being really having a really short fuse Mm. um so yeah that's probably like one way that i can think um and i think that ultimately there is that desire for me also just to like be liked and Mm. for people to think that i am yeah for lack of a less gross word like impressive 
Mm. So then I am ultimately also striving for, you know, the, um, I don't know, the, the recognition and admiration of, mm. of man rather than of God. Mm. So, yeah. I think it's yeah, easily thanks, done. <laughs> thanks for being so vulnerable. No, I think that's um, yeah, recognize too that even pastors are human and mm. they have totally. yeah, I identify with that self pressure. Mm. Like I almost I have to be, do this now, I've got to be in. It's like yeah. no one's actually putting any pressure on me. No. It's all like this self driven Yeah. And it's made and I see it like in my own life is that fear of like yeah, impressing like a made up person. Yeah. It's like actually no one's like really on my back about no anything really no it's all this yeah huge pressure and then recognizing yeah. the, the ramifications of that yeah and yeah so in like reflecting on like the whole image of god being the potter is like mm. well okay lord like you're the one that's shaping me mm. and molding me mm. i need to trust in that and in my identity mm. yeah yeah in the pot that i am and yeah me, that's i think easy to say but hard to to do mm. at times because mm. like, yeah we all have we all have our little idols what is it yeah. John Calvin said the human heart is an idol factory yeah, yeah, <laughs> something yeah, like yeah. that I think that's what he said yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. yeah and we all do it and mm. yeah um, Timothy Keller in his book um, what's it called Counterfeit Gods mm. he, he talks about that he goes we may not worship like gods like Asherah mm. or Baal or, or anything like that but we still worship gods nonetheless. Mm. And yeah, here's these great illustrations, which I thought you took from, but you just, you, you and just Timothy Keller just think you may have mentioned way. it to me like <laughs> yeah. ages ago when and I may have just the, planted in my subconscious. Yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, just that idea, like he mentions that, like we yeah. might not sacrifice our firstborn, but we sacrifice our career. And mm. one that stands out for me as someone that does exercise is he goes, we may not worship Artemis, but so many young women and men like just spend their lives in the gym trying to mm. acquire this body image mm. it's like yeah it's almost like the the name of the gods have changed yeah. but the motivations yeah are still there and yeah yeah which is kind of funny i feel like when it when it has a name and a god it's almost easier to identify yeah it's so much easier to fall into the trap of not thinking it's an issue mm. um, or not even being able to see, you know, what's wrong in mm. your when it doesn't have that, you know, because really, I mean, a lot of those Greek and Roman gods were an embodiment of a certain value, yeah. <laughs> whether it was war or beauty mm. or fertility or whatever yeah. it is. In some ways, it was almost easier for them to be like, oh, that's what I'm kind Struggling. of worshipping yeah. right now. <laughs> Um, but for us, when we no longer, you know, sort of recognize them as, as these forces, mm. it can be really easy, I think, to almost be spiritually asleep and yeah. <laughs> not recognizing and what's so, going on. And that's, uh, um, yeah, I guess the, the challenge for us is to actually have that self-awareness yeah. of what we're worshiping. Totally. And yeah, it's, and that's what, and that's what I see is the job of like, preaching is like oh, here's a text that's mm. about in the context of the sixth century about yeah. destruction of a city yeah which we may not think has any for us but as you start to unpack it you see actually this is really relevant yeah. for our lives i've just got Deuteron- um, deuteronomy got jeremiah yeah, um, yeah. 18 mm. and it's this is when he's like talking about the pot he says the word of the lord came to me and he says can i not do with you israel as this potter does mm. like clay in the hand of the potter see you're in my hand if any time i announce that a 
nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn, torn down and destroyed. And if that nation I warn repents of evil, then I relent and not inflict on it the disaster I'd planned. That's the idea there. Yeah, just, I can do this. Yeah. I can. And yeah, while that's obviously a message of judgment, also mm. see in that a, a flicker of hope. Mm. God can shape that. And if you repent, yeah. there's change for that. And yeah. like jumping forward to Jesus, seeing that like Jesus... And to quote, like, you at the end of the sermon, uh, are, are we a brittle shard of pottery or, are, or will we be shaped for his purposes in our yeah. life? Yeah. As I say, it's like, well, yeah, sometimes our lives seem like broken shards. Like God can get that, yeah. that, that you know, that clay totally mould us. And that's what yeah. Jesus does. Yeah. And so falling into that identity of, yeah, we are just, here's the potter, we are the clay. Yeah. And Lord, shape us, use us, because I don't want to be like that pot Jeremiah threw down and shattered. Yeah. It's like, this was going to happen to you. Totally. Yeah, that in some ways, while, while I don't like, um, oh, um, allegory, mm. like what the early church, I think I'm trying to really helpful, like the allegory. Mm. So for those who don't know what allegory is, mm. it's like when you take parts of the Bible and give it like a deeper meaning. So the early mm. church would look at the parable of the Good Samaritan and say, oh, the donkey represents, you know, mm. the body of Jesus mm. and this, like, so mm. it would, but sometimes that's really helpful. And mm. for me, I can, it helps me almost live through the text. Like, mm. I like sometimes like I'll pretend I'm in the story. And mm. I was like, well, do I want to be that pot that Jeremiah threw down and just shattered there mm. on the ground? Mm. Like, well, no way. Like, I mm. want to actually be living for the purpose that that God's called me to to mm. be someone that actually has repented. And that's what mm. God. That's what Jeremiah is calling. Like, repent so you can have life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's what I mean. Like, I want to have life. Yeah. Be use, useful as that. Totally. I mean, I kind of, I, I can't help but think of the parable of the sower and, you know, the seed falling on different mm. ground. And it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, are we going to be fertile soil that, you know, receives the word? Or are we going to be hard soil? Are we going mm. to be, you know, sort of malleable clay that's allowed to be mm. used by the potter? Or are we going to be something that is hard and, and brittle and not receiving mm. change? Um, a kind of little nerdy mm. thing is the the Hebrew word yasa um, to fashion and shape, which is used in um, Jeremiah 18, can also mean to create. Um, so then obviously when you start seeing this idea that um, not just um, the people of Israel, not just Jewish people, mm. but, you know, kind of people from the ancient Near East region, they kind of had this understanding that man was made from clay mm. um you suddenly are thinking well like genesis right yeah. when he's like when god is creating mm. adam um but there's some really cool um sort of parallel passages in mm. Isaiah as well which i might read yeah. out um where he's kind of talking about these similar things so Isaiah 29 16 uh, says you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like mm. the clay Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me? Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? Um, and likewise, uh, Isaiah 64, 8, Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Um, there's there's kind of an interesting one from Isaiah that also kind of is more taking a bit of that imagery of um, Jeremiah 19. Mm. Uh, but uh, Isaiah 45, 9, Woe to those who quarrel with their maker, those who are nothing but potsherds among the potsherds on the ground. Mm. Does the clay say to the potter, what 
are you making? Does your work say the potter has no hands? Mm. So again, there's kind of a lot of that imagery um, and we're kind of talking off air. Isaiah mm. was before Jeremiah. Um, yeah, so probably paint, playing off that potentially. Yeah. Maybe it was, you know, divine spirit yeah. influence kind of identifying in both of those. Um, but yeah, it is kind of fascinating, this, this imagery of, of clay, of a mm. pot, um, yeah, it's it's kind of woven throughout the Old Testament. Yeah. Well, and well, fascinating. It was nothing that you're preaching on at all, but as you're talking about the just the like the potter making stuff, yeah. it made me realize just how much, I guess, for like a word, tradey jobs reflect God. Mm. Like, I suppose that was the world though, and it's like, and so much of it just shows that like, there's just this little note I made, like just this wisdom of God. Like we see God's wisdom mm. in like. Someone making a pot yeah. or someone smashing metal to form you know, yeah. swords or whatever it may be for, yeah. for life. And we, yeah, it's it's cool that God uses just the everyday things to mm. teach. Yeah. And sometimes that's the most powerful. Like when yeah. you walk, like for those people there, as you said on Sunday, like Jeremiah smashed the pot. It was a place where there were lots of yeah, broken bits of pottery yeah. around pot shards. Yeah. Like that. that's a, it's a powerful image. Mm. That's just an everyday event. Like you walk past that and yeah. see that. It's like, well, that's what's going to happen to us. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's why I just see is the cool little wisdom that God gives us. Totally. To be looking for that. Those, yeah. uh, those, little, those little teachable God moments he yeah. gives us in the creation no, around for sure. us. And yeah. Which is why I wanted to do the synax of Jeremiah. Because mm. he often uses like everyday items to, to teach us really powerful yeah. spiritual truths. Yeah. Like it's, like, it's almost like a child's lesson. Go watch a potter. But totally. it's, as I like to say, the Bible is simple, but not simplistic. Yeah. Like we can spend, well, look at us now, look how deep we can go on just yeah. an image of totally forming, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Pots out of clay. Yeah. Amazing. And I mean, I even kind of love the idea of um, how quickly it can all go wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, um, I don't know if you've seen any videos or even in real life when a potter who's, you know, still spinning a wheel um, kind of just takes their hands mm. off the pot. But things like very quickly just go everywhere. Like mm. it just goes out of control very quickly. So even just that sort of further image of the second yeah. sort of, you oh. know, we reject God's hands yeah. around us, just how quickly everything just Yeah, falls. and that's one of the cool things with um, how the Hebrew Bible shaped is you mm. have all the narratives. So you got Genesis through the Kings, yeah. and then there's like you get into the prophets. And yeah. so one commentator suggests... Um, that you read the narrative first, get mm. to Kings, and then you read the prophets. They're almost like a commentary yeah. on the events you yeah, just yeah, yeah. read. Who needs Bible commentaries? Yeah, when you've got, got the prophets. Desire and Jeremiah <laughs> to like give you the prophetic insight into the, yeah. the narrative you've yeah. just read. And yeah, you, you, and that's really the whole point is to see yeah. that like God's hand yeah. is like over everything and he removes that. And that's like you start off with Genesis and, mm. and humans are living under God's yeah. hands. Yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. You take it away. And that's the spiral you yeah. start to see. And yeah. Yeah. You see Solomon when he's living under wisdom, things are good. Mm. By Jeremiah's day, a few hundred years later, things are just yeah. out of control. Yeah. No, that's and crazy. Yeah, pot, just clay splattering everywhere. And yeah. People think that that's, oh, that's no, good. Everything's going to be all right. And it's, yeah. 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 I find it interesting. It's not in this passage, but yeah. Because I've been reflecting on it for this week, but just to go, oh, no, no, Hank's, it's all going to be good. Mm. There'll be peace. Don't worry, guys. Everything's under control. Yeah, and just block your ears and yeah. Go, oh, 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 and how much thing. we kind of still do that mm. in our lives at time we 
further we walk away from God, somehow we think that things are going to work out yeah. better. Yeah. And it's that, yeah, humble submission to mm-hmm. the... I, I remember that meeting uh, a Muslim background Christian, so mm-hmm. someone who was a Muslim who became a Christian, and he described his conversion experience as like, it's like God ripped my bones out and rebuilt me. Wow. And I was like, well, I was like, wow, that's a really powerful it's like way. Ezekiel language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how you describe it. It's like he's like yeah. completely was reformed. Mm. And I was like, yeah, like that's that's really all part of it. Like mm. are we, yeah, willing to be molded and shaped. Yeah. And yeah, even though it's not what the passage is directly saying for me, that's one one of the challenges I got from the retreat last week was try to read the Bible a bit more devotionally. Mm. It's my biggest week as I approach the Bible so academically. Mm. Like for me, it's like, oh, what's the, you know, yeah, what's the narrative saying? What's the, the nerd out sort of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. And actually, it's one of the challenges I've put on myself is to actually be a bit more devotional. Mm. And in some ways, it's actually, yeah, making the Word of God come more yeah. alive. It's like, oh, well, not... Obviously, you got to preach the truth of Scripture, but yeah. having like, what's the devotional impact for me? What's yeah. God saying for me yeah. in this? Yeah. And like, yeah, just been, yeah, reading through 18, 19, and it just keeps coming up. It's like, yeah, let God form me. Let mm. God shape me, because that's how, that's yeah. how I'm going to look the best pot I'm going to yeah. be. Yeah. Amen. And, <laughs> yeah, amen to that. <laughs> so good. Um, uh, uh, another thing that you raised, so you kind of we kind of unpack the Baal worship. Mm. It's burning incense to starry mm. hosts. Yeah, which mm. you know, again, pretty um, foreign concept. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. burning incense on people's yeah. roofs to the stars. Yeah, yeah. No, no, in Asian cultures, it's still yeah, uh, they burn incense. Certainly, mm. I don't know what they're burning it to. I think there might be a bit of um, ancestor mm, worship yeah. there sometimes, burning things, yeah, yeah, like incense around an altar for an ancestor. Mm. So, yeah. But, yeah, uh, certainly here in, like, like Aussie culture, it's yeah. uncommon. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. might have some incense, but, yeah, yeah, yeah usually yeah. not burning it to the stars, for yeah. sure. Yeah, but um, well, what I liked what you did, you know, unpack it a bit, is how you linked it in with sort of the star signs Sagittarius mm. so, you know, I don't know what I don't know what that means yeah that. me either but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah how I see this idea of looking into the, mm. the future wanting to know the future yeah and you know I was even kind of struck um, Em and I have been watching like season three of Ted Lasso at the moment and one of the characters goes to see a psychic and it's really interesting because um, the character this psychic who's only in one episode you know yep. kind of thing She's a bit kooky and she is a bit almost, dare I say, supernatural. You know, she's Mm. not normal. You can tell that there's something going on with her. Um, And the character is very sort of dismissive of these little really prophecies like these, like, you know, um, that she was going to have this green matchbook in her hand and meet the love of her life kind of thing. And it turns out obviously to be true because why would you set that up in a TV show (laughs) and then have no payoff? Um, But it is really fascinating that there is, I think, just still such a deep yearning and hunger from a secular culture Mm. um, to tap in to this other realm of knowledge Mm. and wisdom. And what is really fascinating in all of that is so often from my experience hearing or, you know, sort of actual, you know, real experiences of people seeing a psychic or, you know, sort of the way it's portrayed Mm. in TV shows and and movies. um, It's either sort of like Neo end of the world, like Oracle stuff, like sort of life shattering stuff, sort of, you know, the chosen one Mm. Um, or 
it's really a lot of time just to do with relationship Mm. and romance and i found that really interesting because typically we probably see ourselves more as a sitcom character than as neo (laughs) unless we have (laughs) a very inflated sense of self but this idea that i think the true and accurate representation of what people are a lot of the time going to psychics for and looking at star signs Mm. for is actually for like romance for romance i think there's probably some money and wealth and stuff you know you will come into a a sum of money kind of thing but i just found even that thought really interesting that so often whether it's you know tarot cards or palm reading or star signs or even Mm. psychics from my observations (laughs) that's all it is it so often is about romance and i think Mm. that it's really interesting again our sort of modern secular culture looks to romance as the the end goal right as the roll credits as Mm. the you know we've finally reached the destination um and it's it's a lie like no romantic relationship no matter how great it is um is ever going to complete you um in perpetuity forever Mm. um but that's sort of the lie that that hollywood and our secular culture tells Mm. us that that is ultimately what we should be striving for now don't get me wrong love my wife love my son but it's you know as we've spoken about before really dangerous to put those things on a pedestal because ultimately yeah it's too much pressure on them i'm going to be disappointed at some point yeah oh totally it's like another quote that i wrote down i really liked is like you know we if we lose sight we are children of god we look to the stars which i put in inverted commas is it you know the literal stars or like hollywood stars yeah and or Instagram stars, probably yeah. more relevant now, like sure. people on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we, we form, we are we are imaging creatures, mm. right? And so we image what we worship. And mm. yeah, it's really interesting how you, yeah, what you've noticed there about like horoscopes, their relationships or prosperity. Mm. I suppose for people like, everyone kind of wants a prosperous future. Yeah. Like I haven't encountered someone that wants, I want to be, I don't know. I'm sure there's people out there, but I've never encountered someone who says, I want to be poor mm. and miserable. Mm. Mm. Like most people want like some sort of prosperity yeah. and happiness. And yeah. 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 Sure. There's, um, I find our modern culture just so interesting. When something happens like a disaster, it's always like I'm sending thoughts and prayers. Mm. I'm like, what? Prayers to who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, what are your thoughts doing? If yeah. You, if, you like don't, if you just believe that you are a evolved amoeba. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no higher power. Even what are your thoughts yeah, doing, really? So when, <laughs> so when Rachel's in hospital, um, like the daycare that my kids are at, they were really lovely, but like the, they would say, oh, tell Rachel to send positive vibes. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'll let her know that. that Could you put that in vibes, a jar? Like, <laughs> go on out for her. Pour like, it over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, send positive vibes. But yeah, it's like, so okay, shallow. It's, yeah, it's so it's wishy-washy. Like, nice, yeah. but that doesn't like, what yeah. does that even mean? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the lie that people um, will say that, you know, in times of crisis, they don't need anything to hold on to. You know, but there seems to time and time again be a deep yearning in people mm. for something higher than themselves, yeah, for wisdom and knowledge that is beyond themselves to be deeply loved unconditionally mm. and known. And I'm like, well, that's that's God, yeah, God is the only one who can give you the perfect version yeah. of that, and, and it has to be the right version of God. I remember yeah, in Vietnam on a mission trip, it's good. Um, we went to this English club. Mm. So every Sunday, these Vietnamese guys would meet to practice English. And mm. 
when a whole bunch of white Aussies came like wow they like latched onto that and this yeah. one guy I never forget was it was at Temple I was talking to him about does he go to Temple he goes oh yeah I go to the Temple but if I don't get good luck then I go to the Catholic Church come on and it's just like this <laughs> I don't forget that it's like and it reminded me a lot of like what these guys are doing they're sort of these guys probably thought that they were worshipping Yahweh yeah but let's cover our bases and just sort of hedging their bets. Yeah. Yeah. So they're probably gonna, they're probably still going to the temple, mm. which I guess Jeremiah said, which we haven't looked at, but Jeremiah's famous um, mm. temple sermon getting mm. stuck into them. Yeah. They're still going to temple, still getting sacrifice mm. done. But mm. let's hedge our bets. Let's sacrifice yeah. our firstborn. Let's send out incense to you know mm. the, these gods just to make yeah. sure we're covered. Yeah. And yeah, while we may not be doing that, we do hedge. Our bets. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, Lord, if you're not going to come through, I'll make sure I have kind of these hedges in my life to protect me mm. to fall back on. Yeah, um, no, totally. Yeah, it's inter- oh, look, human history is amazing. It's just the same stuff over and over. Yeah, but just different labels. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Mm. Um, but like what the the another point you made, which um. About tithing, it was a bit incidental, but I think what tying in with that whole Baal worship and sacrifice is actually like tithing. And mm-hmm. I found this just a actually sometimes the best gems come in like thirty second blocks. It's actually yeah. probably one of the best little snippets of tithing I've heard. I really oh, liked thanks, it. Uh, it's all right, yeah. It's like yeah, it's a decision to put our first fruits um, to God, which means that money is not our God. Mm. Just so simple and succinct. Like, oh. Yeah, that's like, thanks, man. That's really, really good for us, particularly here as we starting to live under a credit crunch, mm. where people are stressing about mortgage yeah. repayments. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, interest rates going up, foods going up, petrol's going up. Mm. There's this pressure, and. Yeah, what's some of the first things that go when you're feeling pressure? It's like, well, you stop giving to charities. You stop, you start tightening your belt. Yeah. Actually, and that was the whole point of the first first fruits is like this act of trust and like, yeah. I'm keep. Yeah. And so, yeah, that definitely, I see that as like, even though it was incidental, it was, for me, it was another thing that really stood out. Another oh, great thanks, bedrock in that of like, yeah. well, what are we doing if we are sacrificing our family for our money? Yeah. What's going to do? Well, ultimately, we need to trust God yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, we may not be farmers who rely on the sun and the wind and the rain to, yeah. to make our crops grow. Yeah, but in a sense, we still rely on God's provision yeah, for our yeah, jobs. Yeah. yeah, whether it be AI comes in and takes over pastoring and we yeah, all lose yeah, our yeah, jobs, yeah. like we still. Yeah. I've re- I've read some of those AI generated sermons, and I, yeah, I don't yeah, think they're up yeah, to scratch yeah. yet. Scratch it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's just no, one example. Mean, there, totally. there's actually no job security. Yeah, and that's what I think I've realized. It's just life is just so fragile. Yeah, you know, totally. it takes only a couple of months, and a business that is you know making millions suddenly goes under. Ten thousand staff are laid off. Yeah, and it's like wow. There's a so even that like we still have to trust God for that provision yeah, totally. in our lives. And yeah, Baal or incense yeah. isn't going to do that. Yeah, it's that real just falling back and going. Well, I'm going to trust you, Lord to provide for me yeah if you trust the lord to provide for me then you're going to trust the lord to provide for my identity and overcome yeah. those fears yeah that were in us and not looking to the stars yeah. all the hollywood stars yeah yeah but yeah and yeah i mean i think like 
is, there's an interesting idea in that that ultimately like tithing is in part like it has the idea of sacrifice that's mm. where it starts in the old testament and when you start thinking about tithing as a sacrifice with like that sort of lens mm. over it um you know sacrifices are costly mm. and i want to i don't want to be misinterpreted there mm. but i think that the reality is that um yeah maybe sometimes tithing does mean okay cool like I'm going to I'm going to give this in in faith and it's going to be a sacrifice. Mm. Now I don't, you know, I'm not going to speculate on what that sacrifice yeah, might yeah, mean yeah. for different people. But yeah, maybe it means that, you know, you don't buy the new car that you want or whatever mm. if you're kind of, you know, looking at your budget. Okay, cool. Like what what am I willing to sacrifice because mm. ultimately, you know, if I d- am giving that money mm. to God, yeah, what, what, what does that mean for me? And mm. I don't think that's actually a bad thing to be aware of, no. you know, and looking at if you're, you know, factoring yeah. in what giving your first fruits looks like to God, being a little bit aware of like, mm. okay, cool. Well, sure. Because money really is just an idea. Yeah. Like I, I think especially when people are doing, you know, um, electronic yeah. tithing, which oh. I do, like I'm, you know, I put my hand mm. up too. I'm, we've spoken about this mm. before, but Phil Mittervane has mentioned, you know, he loves giving like physical money and putting mm. it in the bag because it's so much more embodied. This yeah. is what we're talking about, Taylor, like embodied faith mm. and this idea that when it is just an auto, you know, yeah. sort deduction. of <laughs> auto deduction, I mean, we can become so sort of you know just not even considering it anymore um but yeah just being mindful about that and being mindful that yeah part of that action part of that sacrament right Mm. tithing is yeah that it is a sacrifice Mm. and that that um is part of the idea of it (laughs) Mm. that it's really investing in your faith in god Mm. (laughs) and yeah i think that one thing that's kind of changed for me with an outlook to tithing is it's not something that god needs not even something the church needs like i i i think that like people need to hear this like if you stop tithing like the walls aren't going to fall down Mm. like it is still going to by god's provision happen like you're not doing it for you know god's need Mm. you're not doing it for the church's need it's actually because you need to do it (laughs) it's a a humbling exercise yeah and it's something that ultimately is like a spiritual which is why i think it's just such a great little comment it's like ah oh, it's really just reframed so well especially yeah. as someone who struggles because i'm like Ugh, paid by church relies on offerings always yeah. struggle. i was like oh it was just a great framing it's not because given you will get you know yeah yeah the yeah. more you give the more yeah, you yeah, get yeah. from god it was yeah, just yeah. A, i saw it as a real like i don't yeah. think he used the word humbling but that's how i like like i took away from it, like this humbling act of i'm going to trust man. my first fruits and yeah. yeah tying into that for us is that okay Let's just rely on God. No, yes. totally. Otherwise, yeah. keep, I keep repetition, repetition. I like to say, I don't want to be that broken pot. That's <laughs> it. That's it, man. That's it. And I think what one thing I kind of just want to quickly mention mm-hmm. before we wrap up is uh, just in reading a few commentaries, there was an interesting point um, that J.A. Thompson made. Give credit where credit's due. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got his commentaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, he spoke about in relation to chapters 18 and 19. I'll just quote him directly, yeah, yeah. although I think what I wrote was a paraphrase anyway. <laughs> These chapters contain examples of all the major types of liter- mm. literary material found in the book of Jeremiah, which is poetic oracles. Mm. So that's, you know, yeah, sort yeah. of prophecies, uh, confessions, prose discourse which is just conversation uh and biography 
so yeah, for people who are still kind of trying to get their head around the idea of Jeremiah being a bit mm. of, I love the analogy that the Bible Project used, this patchwork quilt. Yes. All of these different sort of stories mm. and moments in Jeremiah's life, not necessarily chronological all the time, mm. but sort of woven together in an intentional way to make this beautiful patchwork mm. quilt. Um, I think it can be tricky sometimes to really get our head around what yeah. those four different styles look like. Um, but yeah, it might be a fun exercise, depending on what you define yeah. as fun, <laughs> to go back over 18 and 19 and just be a bit intentional about, hey, mm. like, what is this right now? Is it an oracle? Yeah. Is it a confession? Is it a prose discourse? Is it a biogra- biographical mm. moment? Um, because, yeah, I think as much as, you know, it's not always everyone's cup of tea, understanding literary genre and style mm. is something such for me a keyhole into a passage of being like oh okay this is the genre this is the style i'm reading you know we're so used to watching genres of films and knowing what to expect and i think it can be helpful when we're intentional in that in scripture yeah and like for the nerd out bible person that Mm. i am like i find genre just so like critical to my understanding of the text yeah Uh, absolutely yeah there's a big difference between reading a narrative which is very kind of black and white Mm -hmm. and just describes events that happen to reading apocalyptic or prophecy which uses yeah poetic language to describe and yeah yeah when you start taking (laughs) something that's meant to be poetic and apply it literal that's where you get in trouble and yeah yeah, I am not a literal pot. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, that's why I said, while well, allegory is not a great way to read the Bible, like for, like devotionally. Mm. So that's why I'm trying to read the Bible in an academic view, but also devotionally. Mm. It's like actually trying to insert myself mm. into the text and mm. like imagine huh, like I'm watching Jeremiah smashing this pot or yeah. being the pot that's smashed or watching yeah. like and, and drawing into the text and actually... Yeah, excited for what God is speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think I have fallen into the danger to is that just the, preaching the word so much, it just becomes like another task. Mm. And it's like, what's another cool, nerdy fact that I can like mm. draw out? Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Rather than like, what's God actually speaking yeah. to me? And so, so good. Yeah, I found that just a bit of a helpful exercise, actually mm. kind of jump in, pretend you're part of the, the narrative, part of the story, yeah. part of the prophecy, and yeah. imagine those images yeah. and then go, okay, God, what are you speaking to me Yeah, through this? Yeah, which beautifully then you draw the congregation into God's story Yeah, as part of his, you know, a constantly mm. unfolding story. Uh, yeah. Well, That's cool. Mr. Mitchell. Yes. We are uh, on to our next se- sermon in uh, the Jeremiah series. I believe you are gracing us with uh, the, the Word of God this Sunday. What, are you, what are you speaking on? A little so, taste. Yeah. taste look at Jeremiah's um, 27, 28, the yoke. Yeah. Jeremiah getting into the yoke. And mm. looking at true and false prophecy. Mm. And how do we know what's true and false? It's a great question. Oh, dude, it's really hard. Because <laughs> there's a criteria in Deuteronomy. If it comes true, yeah, but for the people, that's, yeah. like, how, how that's do great they know? in hindsight. Yeah, how do you know at the time? And yeah. so, yeah, so looking at um, sort of that and jumping into like theological statements that are true, but not mm. true for that situation. Mm. And so I think that they're, mm. yeah, learning that wisdom without giving everyone away too much, basically. Jeremiah says, hey, submit to Babylon. Mm. Everyone's like, no, yeah, we're not doing yeah. that. Like, yeah. we're going to. God's going to smash this yoke. Yeah. It's like, actually, no, that wooden yoke you just smashed, it's going to become an iron yoke. Mm. And 
yeah, it's going to be even worse for you. And mm. so, yeah, there's times where we can think that what someone's saying is actually God's words actually mm. isn't what God wants. And so, yeah, it's going to leave us probably more questions than answers. <laughs> I like, I don't know. Like if yeah. someone, I've encountered a few people that had prophecies over my life. I'm like, I don't know if what they spoke was true or not. Yeah. Like, and that's part of like the discernment process. Is like, totally. Yeah. So love it. Anyway, it's going to be fun. Can't wait. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> so am I. Awesome. Thanks again, Murray. Hey, thanks, bro. And thanks for all our dear listeners tuning in. See you Sunday. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Center Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.